Hi, a warm welcome for, from wherever you're watching, whichever congregation you're a part of and visitors have joined our journey over these last uh, few months together. Just want to give you a warm welcome and thank you for joining us today. My name's Andy Elms and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church and it's a great privilege to be able just to gather around the word with you this morning, encourage your hearts, hopefully inspire you to live your life full on for God. Now, we started a new series last week, and it's called the Heavenly Minded series, or Heavenly Minded, and we studied the subject last week of heavenly rewards. Now, it's an interesting subject, and it started in my heart when I started to read this verse in Colossians 3, where it says that we're to set our minds and our hearts on things above, not on things below. That word to set means to seek or to set your affection upon heavenly things. So we started to look at this series last week where we're looking at the relationship between the life that we know here and now and the one that the Bible says one day we will know beyond the grave. We could call that heaven. We could call that eternal life. We could call that eternity, life after death. We could call that a number of things, but it it remains the same, doesn't it? But the Bible reveals that that there's a life that we're living now, but also there's a life that we will know one day beyond the grave, a life with him. Two questions that we're really kind of spending a few weeks to look at is number one, Is there a relationship between these two realms, the earth we know now, the heaven we will one day know and will certainly experience? If so, what does God want us to understand? Because that's a key question, isn't it? If there is, which I believe there is, a very real earth and, and heaven, there's really a relationship with God here on the earth and one to come beyond the grave. What does God want to help us to understand about this relationship between these two realms? Another good question would be, are we as believers as aware as we should be about the ramifications that the life that we live here on earth, for God now, in the flesh, as the Bible would put it, will produce things or affect the experience we have one day in heaven when we're present there with God? Like I said, Paul said very adamantly in Colossians 3 that we're to set our minds and our hearts on things above, heavenly things. But the question is, do we? Or have we become so consumed with the here and the now because it's what we know, it's all we've ever known. The physical life here is all we've ever known. Have we, as believers, become so consumed with the life that we're living in the here and now, the physical sense-driven life that we all know and are a part of here, but we're not giving any importance or uh, mindedness to the eternity that's a certain fact for all of us who have believed in Christ. So we looked last week at the subject or the principle of heavenly rewards, the fact that the Bible teaches that there will be rewards given to us for the lives that we lived here and how we lived them, our attitudes, our motives, not just the things that we did, but the heart that we did them with. We looked at the two judgment thrones mentioned in Scripture, and we also looked at the difference between belief and behavior, that The judgment seat of where you spend eternity, heaven or hell, is determined by the belief that you had on 
earth. Did you believe in Jesus? Did you reject Jesus? That belief will determine where you spend eternity. Now, eternity is certain for everyone, not just for Christians, for everyone. The question is, where will you spend eternity? And that answer, that assurance is found simply in the goodness of God and the grace of God. Not our works. We don't ever work to gain a place in heaven. We believe in Jesus Christ. Like the jailer said to Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response was, believe on him. You and your household will be saved. Our belief while we're on earth, I've got to keep underlining this, our belief while we're on earth will determine where we spend eternity. But the Bible says that our behavior, the lives that we live after we've believed has positioned us and given us an assurance of everlasting life with him. The behavior of the life that we lived after we met him will determine certain rewards that we experience there. Now, we looked at key verses that were spoken by Jesus and Paul that spoke of the reality of these rewards. Now, there will be a different experience. And I think this is what some people were awoken to in a fresh way last week that there will be a difference of experience for a man who chose to spend his life building with silver and gold and the man who chose to spend his life or woman who chose to spend their life building with what the Bible would term straw and hay. It speaks of one man that just concentrated his whole life on natural things, temporal things, what he needed here. It says of that man that he would be a person in heaven that will be in heaven, but it's like everything he spent his life on will mean nothing there. Yet then the Bible says that we can be people who build with silver and gold, which means if we're heavenly minded and we understand that the things that we do in this life have ramifications and effects on the life that we know there, we can be more investment minded, wise-minded, prudent in our actions and the living out of our life to make sure that when we get to heaven, we see things in heaven that are the result of the life that we lived here on earth for God. Now, um, if I was going to make this into a t-shirt, I would probably say this on the t-shirt. I thought this slogan came to me this week. Heaven is where good people get theirs. Now, if you ever heard the expression, Oh, that person, they'll get theirs one day. I'm sure you've used it or heard that expression. And often what we're saying is, why is this person not getting sorted out for what they're doing on earth, earth in a negative sense? And so often what we'll say is, oh, they'll get theirs one day. We need to understand that, yeah, what I'm saying in this message is a lot of people serve God, serve people, and they don't seem to get any reward, not that they're doing it for reward, for the life that they're living here on earth with God at the center. I want to say to you, today heaven will be a place where good people get theirs and my heart in sharing this message is to make sure that you don't just get to heaven but also when you get there you see a reward for the life that you lived for God here on earth had some great feedback last week it actually stirred people to think in different ways I want to share with you some of the feedback I had from last week talking to different people There was some feedback that said this, I don't do what I do to get rewards. Great, admirable, love that, nor do I. I don't get up in the morning and say, right, what I'm going to do for God, how I'm going to live for God this week is going to give me rewards. I'm not wired that way. Yet you need to understand it's great that nothing you do is ever done for rewards, but you also need to realise you're going to get them. 
Why? Because he said you would. So it's brilliant. And the motivation not to do anything to get rewards is a pure motivation. It's a great motivation and a motivation we should all have. But the reality is you're still going to get them. Why? Because Jesus said there will be rewards in heaven for people that lived for him, for others and for his kingdom while they were on earth. Now, it's not about greed, but about awareness uh, that we need to be aware, not greedy. I want rewards. I want rewards. I want rewards. But we need to be aware that there will be rewards in heaven for the lives that we lived here, the things we did and we didn't do. And that needs to be in our consciousness so that we're not just building the life that we're living here for our benefit in the here and now but we're also saying yep I'm believing that I'm going to live full on for God here for his glory but when I get to heaven one day I'm going to see the rewards of a life lived for him here on earth now I'm just underlining again because it's amazing sometimes you can preach a message like this and it can amaze you what people hear that you didn't say I'm underlining again it's not about earning we don't do what we do for God to earn rewards we do what we do for God because we love him we love his kingdom and we love others yet the fact remains there will be rewards for people um, determined how they live their life now there's a story I once heard that kind of shares this really well and or an analogy If you imagine a father had a big garden and um, he decided one day he was going to get his children to help him to tidy up the garden. It was going to be an all day project. And sometimes we uh, try to involve our children in some of the stuff that needs to happen in homes. Right. So if you imagine this father and he's got this motivation, right, we're going to tidy the garden. We're going to get the yard or the garden up together and my kids are going to help me. So he comes to the children and he says to them, all right, kids, we're going to spend a day getting the garden ready getting it all nice for summer and after we've spent a day getting the garden ready i am going to take you for a delicious meal i'm going to take you out for a meal somewhere that you really love pick a restaurant we're going to go to a restaurant that you want to do but we're going to get this work done we're going to get the yard cleaned up the garden cleaned up and then we're going to go off for this lovely meal together now that's one analogy um here's another analogy imagine if the father said to the children okay we're going to work in the garden today we're going to get this work done in the garden that needs to be done and the children responded to him we will not do it unless you take us out for a meal what we're dealing with is the same scenario but two different motivations and responses now what i'm saying in this message is we're not the children are saying god we're only going to do it because we get rewards or we only do it because we know there's rewards what we're saying is father we want to be busy with the things that matter to you but living with a consciousness that you are a good father you are a generous father and you're a generous father that said you're going to reward his children for the things they've done on earth interesting way of looking at it right other people suggested to me last week that i was using last week's message to motivate or get people to to be busy doing things in church um somebody fed back to me that it felt like it was a bit of a guilt trip to get people busy in church well no but i was actually very open about that at the end i did say I'm not use I'm not going to miss this opportunity to get people serving in church. But actually if you listen to the message last week the first 40 minutes 
weren't about what you do in church, not about what team you're on or serving in a team in church. It was about your life. It was about how you treat your neighbours. It's about how you pray. It's about how you care for the needs of others, not in church or serving in church, but in the life that God's given you, how you go about soul winning. All of these things bring rewards in the life to come for the life that we've lived here. But also we can't rule out that whatever you do in serving your church, you're not serving an organisation, you're serving his body. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church and the church is the body of Christ here on earth. So when you choose to serve in a department or be on a team in church, there's no two ways of looking at it. You're serving not an organisation, but the body of Christ. You're serving the household of God. You're serving the family of God. And there's no way that you won't get rewards for the things that you do in serving his body here on earth. Not that we do what we do to get rewards, but the fact is that we have great opportunity in our church family to do things for the Lord, but also we know that we'll have rewards for doing them. But again, let me underline, I'm not saying that the only rewards that you get are what you do in serving family church. Everything you do in life, who you pray for, the time you give away, the way you love your neighbour, the way you care that none would go to hell, every outworking motive, because sometimes it's not even the things that we do, it's the heart and the motive and the agenda that we do it with that will cause the, the rewards that God has promised in the eternity to come. If you didn't get a chance last week to watch Talk in Church, me and Pastor Gina uh, took time on Tuesday, and you can catch up on this on Facebook and on YouTube. Go and listen to Talk in Church because we take 40 minutes or so just to unpack this thought further. And a lot of people said that it really helped them to widen their understanding of this topic. So again, another thing, I suppose a person's belief in a heaven to come will determine how seriously they take this matter, right? If somebody's casual in their belief of a heaven to come, oh yeah, one day I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven. If you have a casual approach to the reality of a life to come and rewards given in that life for the life you lived here for God and for others, if you're casual in your approach to it, it's not going to be something that drives you or calls you to set your heart or your affections upon it when you're on the earth. But we need to realise that the Bible clearly teaches us that we are sojourners, um, exiles, aliens in this life, that we belong here. Like, like it was said by Paul so well and other people in the Bible, we're in the world, or Jesus taught this of his disciples. He said, Lord, help them to understand they're in the world but they're not of this world any longer. Do we understand when we're thinking of heaven, the life that we will one day know, that actually this life that we once based everything upon is actually something we are all journeying through. The Bible says that we're sojourners in this life, looking for a land whose maker and builder is Jesus Christ. We've got to understand, come on believers, that this life isn't the be all and end all. There really is an eternity and we need to not fully unpack in this life as if this life is all about everything we will ever know, but rather say, yeah, this life is important. What I do in this life is important, but 
but I remain heavenly minded. I remain conscious that I am on a journey. I am a sojourner passing through this life to a greater realm of life called eternity that will have no end. So let me use my sojourning and being an alien or an exile in this land or this life that's not my be all and end all to make sure that eternity is affected by the way that I lived. All right, let's look at heavenly treasure. As well as teaching on heavenly rewards, Jesus also taught on heavenly treasure. If the last one ticked you off, this one could push you over the edge. Just want to give you a warning with a smile. If you got annoyed, offended, disturbed by the thought of heavenly rewards, then heavenly treasure is going to push you somewhere that you need to go. Uh, Because Jesus openly taught about treasure in heaven that you stored one day. Now, we need to understand Jesus openly taught. Let me say that again. Jesus openly taught on the ability to store up in heaven where you one day are heading treasure. He used the word treasure. Again, it is always directly related to the life that we lived out here and introduces to us once more the very real relationship from the realm of life that we're living in and we know here and the one yet to come. A couple of things that we understand is what we may lose here, we can gain there. To lose our life here means to gain our life there. What we sow here for him and others, we will reap there one day. So often when we teach on sowing and reaping, people are expecting their harvest here in this life. We're actually, I think, one day when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of harvest for seed that people sowed knowingly and unknowingly that maybe they forgot about because God invented the law of seed time and harvest. There has to be rewards and treasures in heaven for God to be true to what he established in the principle of seed time and harvest. Another way of looking at it is what you use for him here can be stored for you there later. Now let me finish before you judge me because we're going to look at what Jesus taught about this. I'm not trying to preach some prosperity gospel. I'm helping you or trying to help you to understand that you are a sojourner here. The life that you know here is not the be all and end all of you. There is a life to come and it's wise for a believer to have heavenly mindedness in their thinking, not just earthly residency. All right, let's see what Jesus says, shall we, in Matthew 6. If you've got your Bibles, I'm reading from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Again, this is Jesus. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin and pests destroy, and where thieves can break in and steal. What's Jesus saying very openly? Don't store up for yourself stuff here on earth where it can be destroyed, it can perish, and it can be stolen. But then he gives an alternative. If we keep reading in verse 20, he brings the context to what he's trying to share. But rather, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Interesting. He didn't say don't store up for yourself here and don't think about rewards or treasures. He said, no, don't live in such a way that you're storing everything for this temporal life, but rather store 
store up for yourselves. Well, that's kind of mean, isn't it? He's not saying store up for others. No, he's saying store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves cannot or do not break in and steal the results of the life that you've lived. Then he says this in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay, four quick things we learn from these teachings of Jesus. Number one, he recognised and openly taught the two very real realms of here and now. But there's the possibility of storing up treasure here. But he also said there's a possibility for you to be, while you're here, be storing treasures there. Again, don't get bent out of shape with Pastor Andy. This is what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching that there are rewards in heaven and there's treasures in heaven also. Now, maybe you say, well, I don't want to get to heaven and have rewards. That's fine. Give them to me. We'll meet up when we're there. Hand them over to me. I'll have them. But I'm pretty sure when you see them, you'll want them. You know, other people, when we think of those that may not have rewards, simple. Give them some of yours. There's nothing saying that you can't give your rewards or your treasure away in heaven. So if for you, you settle on the thought, well, I'm going to give them and I'm going to get them away. That's absolutely fine. But don't deny that Jesus said they're going to be there. Number two, he represents the temporal or the temporality of the present. Is that even a word? I don't know. I may have invented a word, temporality. I don't know. We've got some teachers here. Should we have a vote? They're not even sure. The temporal of what we're living in here, in the present, contains the ability for things to rot and be devoured and be stolen But what we store in heaven, according to Jesus, by the life we live out here, has an imperishable state where it's safe and it never rots or is stolen. Interesting. Again, he's talking about the life we know here and the life we all one day will know there. Number three, he encouraged us to store up for ourselves things for when we arrive there. Again, I can't apologise for something that Jesus isn't apologising for. And fourthly, he says, your heart will be where your treasure is stored. This is an interesting statement. So it isn't just a matter of where you store your treasure. It's also a matter of where your heart is set. Let's come back to the actual title of our series, Heavenly Minded. Jesus is saying, if your mind and your attention and your affection are set on his kingdom, the treasure that your life produces will be there. But if your mind and heart is just set on the life you are living here, this realm is where all the treasure you produced by the life you lived will be located. Hey, just to make that verse a little bit worse, let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves, material wealth that eventually rusts, decays and loses its value. Instead, alternately, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay or lose their value. For your heart or your attention or your affection will always pursue what you esteem to be your treasure. 
So again, this is so interconnected with our opening thought of being heavenly minded. The Bible says that where we're accumulating our treasure actually reveals where our mindedness is aimed. Are we living in this life as if this is the end of the journey? Or are we seeing ourselves as sojourners, journeying through this life for the one that's promised that will come? What are heavenly treasures? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? We'll answer that in a couple of moments. But we just need to understand he highlights also the ability in this in this set of scriptures, he highlights the ability to move things from one realm of life to another realm. Why are we so confused about that when we understand that that's what we do in natural life? Let me give you an example. Imagine if you're leaving this country, you're leaving England to go to America. You're leaving England to go to America. And the passport or the immigration office contact you and say, it's fine that you're leaving um, this country and going in to another country, but you can't take anything with you. You can go, but you can't take anything with you. Remember, the Bible clearly teaches that we came into this life with nothing and we leave with nothing. Now, pyramid people, the Egyptians, tried to defy this by being buried with their treasure. Newsflash, bad news for Egyptians, it didn't work. Because a man comes into this life with nothing and leaves this life with nothing. You came from dust to dust, you will return. Yet the Bible says that we're able to store up treasures in heaven by the lives that we're currently living. So if a man was going to America and he got to the airport and he could travel to that place, he wouldn't decorate the plane, would he? Because the plane was just a vehicle for getting where he was heading next, maybe his true home. But what a person would do if they were wise and they were prudent, I'm speaking in a natural sense, is they would spend their life here transferring the things that they have here to the place that they're one day going. And that's all Jesus is teaching to do. Understand that the way we live, the way we love, the way we serve enables us to transfer things from being treasure here to being treasure in the life to come. Now, some people use companies like Western Union and we understand, yeah, if I want to get money from here to Africa, I can send the money ahead of me even before I go or even if I don't go by using a company called Western Union. I can move what's mine here to where it needs to be there. Jesus is teaching the same principle, but he's not talking of natural countries. He's talking about the realm of life we know now and the one that's yet to come. So, okay, what are heavenly treasures? That's a good question. Um, Let me answer you honestly. Haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue. Did that shock you? I don't know. I've never been there. I know what treasures are here, but I really only have a brief concept or understanding as the word has revealed it of what treasure could be there. But I know that they'll be brilliant. I know whatever rewards or treasures are in heaven will be brilliant. Oh, that guy's a prosperity preacher. I haven't mentioned gold. In fact, the Bible says that gold here is our treasure because it's our currency here. But in heaven, it says that the streets are paved with it. So actually, when we talk about treasure, it's not gold or silver as per se, because actually he uses that as tarmac. What are treasures and rewards? I don't know, but I know they're going to be brilliant. But let's not try and judge what they will be by what we understand treasure to be in this realm. That's what I kind of want to communicate with you. It's like when we talk about heaven, we have glimpses and moments that the Bible reveals to us 
some consciousness or some understanding of what heavenly heaven will be. But let's just all be honest, we haven't got a clue. But when we get there, we'll spend thousands of years going, this is brilliant. Oh, yeah, now I get it. You see, we can't begin to make heaven be what we understand it should be by what we've experienced from living on earth. And in the same way, we can't try to begin to work out what rewards and treasures will fully be by how we've understood rewards and treasures here on earth. Somebody, someone might be watching this going, yeah, I'm going to live good, I'm going to get a Mercedes in heaven. No, 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 what, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to make rewards in the life to come be the same as the one that you've understood here. So I want you to just go, I haven't got a clue, but if God says it's brilliant, it's going to be brilliant. But the same way that we shouldn't try to work out what heaven's going to be like, what relationships in heaven are going to be like, We've just got to go, listen, if this place was made in six days and he's been preparing a place for us there for 2,000 years, living here is like living in a garbage can. One day when we all get to heaven, we're going to say, this is incredible. I did not understand this place because my human mind could not conceive it. In the same line of thought, We'll see rewards and treasures and say, that's not what I thought I'd get from an earthly way of thinking. But believe me, you will not be disappointed. I do believe that the Bible reveals that there's a couple of things that we can understand. We have the ability to move from here to there. And I want to talk about just three of them. One of them will be provision and resource. Now, again, I just want to totally upset your understanding of heaven being you on a personalised cloud like a little fat cherub floating around playing a harp, going to visit someone else on their cloud with a harp. Get real. The Bible says that when the new Jerusalem comes, it's a city that comes down. Anything you've understood about heaven being just clouds and us eating um, different varieties of yogurt and aero bars there together, it's, it's rubbish. It's man-made because that's their perception of heaven. When Jesus speaks of heaven coming, it's a city coming down. And we understand that whatever God does on earth is often a direct image of what he's done in heaven. When we see God say, build the temple to Moses, isn't it amazing that the temple design that he gave Moses was the exact replica of what the temple looks like in heaven? In the same way, when we come into heaven or heaven comes down, it's not going to be fluffy clouds with one throne in the middle. It's going to be cities. People are going to be given authority. People are going to work. People are going to have responsibility in the life to come. Adam is a, is a snapshot for us. When we see God make Adam in the garden, he didn't say go and sit in the corner and make daisy chains because he knew Adam would find no fulfillment in that. But rather, Adam was given authority and responsibility over what belonged to God. In the life to come, people will have authority and responsibility over the things that, uh, that belong to God, but that are now eternal and not temporal. Now, when we begin to bend our mind a little bit about what heaven could be like, we start to understand but there will be provision and resource in heaven. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, store up for yourself treasure. 
again, I'm not saying that it's going to be currency. It's going to be the dollar, the pound or the Bitcoin. It's, 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 I don't know what currency will be in heaven because I've never been there. But I do believe that the Bible reveals that there will be resources and provision in heaven and there will be treasure or resources and provision in heaven that people stored up there by the life that they chose to live here. What they gave away here determined what they will experience there. Now, to me, a key thought when we look at provision is, again, the teaching of Jesus Christ in Luke 12. I'm going to read a large passage of scripture. It's not going to hurt you. You can never get too much scripture. But listen to what Jesus is teaching, again, about these two realms, the here and now, and the ability to move treasure from here to there. Listen. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, this is verse 13 of Luke 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. It's amazing that everybody wanted Jesus to sort out their natural problems. And almost sarcastically, I hear in the voice of Jesus, Jesus replied, man, or get out of here. Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you and your brother? Then he said to him, but my you're on the subject, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. In teaching about heavenly rewards and treasures, it's not coming from a motivation of greed, but a motivation of awareness that God says there will be rewards and treasures for a person that spent their life living for him, his kingdom and others. All right. It says life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Jesus is teaching this. What you've accumulated on earth doesn't determine your life. Your life is not determined by your abundance of possessions in this life. Verse 16. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. A guy began to sow, he got very prosperous, he began to bring in a big harvest. He said, I've got nowhere to store the increase of my land. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones here on earth. And there I will store the surplus that I've gained. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. You're doing all right, Johnny. You're stacked up. Everybody else may suffer, but you're not going to suffer because you've got enough grain. You've got more than you could eat. And now you've got barns filled with grain that you'll never eat. I've got it laid up for many years. And then it says... He's going to, this man will take life easy, in, eat, drink and be merry. Not care about others, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you idiot, you womble, you muppet. I don't know what you want to use there. It's the same thing that he's saying. You fool, this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then you will get, uh, sorry, let me read that again. He says, this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Who's going to benefit the things you've stored for you? The things that you've stored for you aren't going to come with you where you're going. Others are going to break into your barns and say, thank you very much for building more barns. It's not going to profit your life in this life when you die and go to the life to come. And then it says, this is how it will be. This is Jesus bringing the point to his message. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards 
God. What's Jesus saying? He's saying the person that lives for their own kingdom, their own welfare, that dedicates their time, their energy, what they do in spending their lives just solely on themselves will end up in heaven with nothing. Yet the Bible says that those who are rich towards God will have treasure in heaven. What is it to be rich towards God? To have your mind set on him, to have your mind set on heavenly things, to be a kingdom living person, to see your sojourning life here on earth as a life that needs to be a kingdom life lived out. If you live for the king and his kingdom in this life, you won't be like the man who had many barns that ended up in heaven with nothing, but rather your life spent here for God, for his kingdom and for other people will transfer treasure from this life, things you could have had in this life to be things, rewards and treasures. We don't know what they look like, but will be to your account in the one to come. Then he carries on in his teachings on a whole section of do not worry multiple times. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Live in the providence of the father. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. People that don't know God live and die worrying about those things. But what does he say? But you seek first the kingdom of God. Make the kingdom of God the thing that you're conscious about. Don't wait to get to heaven to realize it was real. Realize now that the kingdom of God in heaven is real, but the kingdom of God here on earth is real and whatever you do for God in his kingdom will be rewarded in the life that will follow but then he gets into this section in verse 32 don't be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you his kingdom and then he says sell your possessions and give to the poor provide purses for yourself that don't wear out a treasure in heaven that will not fail where no thief can destroy it again verse 34 for where your treasure is your heart will be also so here he's talking about the natural things that we have finances and resources if we use them for the benefits of others in benefiting others with the resources that God has blessed us here one we bless the life involved but two what we've blessed them with apparently Apparently, according to what Jesus is teaching, is transferred to heaven and will be a treasure that you find waiting for you one day when you get there. Again, I'm not preaching any prosperity gospel. I'm just teaching you what Jesus taught. So how how we give our lives or use our resources, whatever our resources may be, for the kingdom and to help people in need here causes our account, as Jesus would put it in heaven, to be credited again the place that our heart is aligned will be the place that we're trying to fill with credit or or be credited Um, God loves the poor the poor is symbolizing a type of person the poor would represent the amount of times through the book of Proverbs and through scripture the Bible says take care of the poor take care of the poor take care of the poor the poor is a a a type of someone in need and God says whenever you use your natural resources your money your resources to help a person that's poor or in need the Bible says that in that moment you may not have done it to get in heaven but you will receive a reward because not just in helping the person the Bible says that it will be credited to your account not an account here on earth but one in the life to come one of my favorite verses is proverbs 19:17. it says he who gives to the poor lends to god 
he who gives to the poor, he who uses the blessings and the resources that God has given you the strength to earn here. Sometimes you get arrogant people that go, how did God do that? I did this. No, you didn't. The Bible says he gives you the strength to earn wealth. But when you use that natural thing called wealth and resource for his kingdom and for the benefit of helping people who are struggling, poor or in need, whether they be in this country, whether you'll be stirred by what's going on in India and you send some of the natural resources and finances that God has blessed you with on this earth to help a person that needs help, the Bible says that God sees that and it's credited to your account even if you never did it to receive. Also, I believe it talks about support in the work of a ministry. Whenever you give your finances, I'm not talking about your tithes and offerings because you don't give your tithes, you pay your tithes. They were never yours. They were never yours. I'm talking about when you use your finances to bless the ministry or to bless ministries or the work of a kingdom on the earth. I believe that when you do that, you're actually a wise investor because you're actually getting credited in the accounts you have in heaven from the natural things you're investing in here. You say, where's that in the Bible? Philippians, thanks for asking. Philippians 4 verses 14 to 17. Paul alludes to this when he's speaking to the Philippian church. He says, I've a base and I've abounded. It's not about what I want or what I need. This is about what happens to you when you support the work of God on the earth. It says, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians uh, Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, he said this, that that, um, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. He's saying, no one helped me except you only. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again. Aid is finances. You sent me your resources more than once when I was in a time of need. Listen to what he says, verse 17. Not that I desire your gifts. I'm not doing this for your money. What I desire is that more, uh, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. What Paul was saying was, as you've been generously supporting me with your natural resources, I don't need your money. I'm not doing it to get your money. What my joy is, I know that as you're supporting the work of the kingdom with your natural finances, it's going to be credited to your account. What account is he speaking of? I don't believe he's talking about an account here on earth alone, but actually the accounts in heaven that one day the Bible says when he returns, he will set all accounts and give rewards and treasures to those that spent their lives on him, his kingdom and others. Now, ever so quickly, number two, another treasure that we can transfer from this life to the one to come is actually, I think, the greatest treasure of all, people. People. You see, if we spend our lives helping others to find Jesus, one day when we get to heaven, they'll be there waiting for us or we'll meet them walking around the corner one day. Isn't that impact? Do, do we understand this? That as we lead another person to Jesus, as we introduce someone to Jesus and they experience his salvation, the Bible says that instantly their name is unblotted in the Lamb's Book of Life and they can have a perfect assurance that they won't be judged in a judgment that sends them to hell, but they will be present in heaven for all eternity. You will see people in heaven because of your sharing of the gospel here on earth 
That's why I encourage you, if you're not yet signed up for Soul Winner, because people say, well, I don't know how to lead others to the Lord. Let me teach you. No excuses. Let me teach you. Five Wednesday nights starting this Wednesday, May the 5th. Go to soulwinner.co.uk backslash training. Get registered. I'll train you. I'll show you. I'll equip you how to have a confidence in sharing Jesus with your friends and family. So come out from the boulders of excuse. We need to understand that one of the very real treasures that will be in heaven is the people we led to Jesus while we were here on earth. The final treasure that I want to end with today is I believe the treasure or reward of trust and responsibility. Again, when we talk about heavenly treasure, we can't compare it to gold and silver, Bitcoin or any other currency or commodity that we function and trade with here on earth. But I really do believe that the Bible says that there'll be an increase of responsibility for those who proved trustworthy here, whether that's trustworthy in relationship, trustworthy in resources, there'll be um, a reward, there'll be treasure in heaven for that. Now stay with me, we're coming in for a landing. If you are faithful with what he trusts you with here, the Bible reveals, I believe, that he will trust you with more there. So this life that we're sojourning through is actually a bit of a proving ground. God's watching what we do with the natural things that he's given us stewardship over to determine the things he will give us stewardship over in the life to come. Like I said before, I believe that there's going to be cities and responsibilities and leadership in the life to come. And that's going to be uh, different for every person, the rewards that you get. I was talking to a, a businessman this week and had a brilliant conversation with a businessman. He was really inspired by last week's teaching. He said, I never thought of it that way. I never thought that God is going to hold me to account and ask me to give an account for the things I did or didn't do with the gifts that he entrusted to me. I said, listen, I'm going to stand before God and God's going to say to me, Andy, I gave you a big mouth, uh, a passionate heart and a crazy imagination. What did you do with them? And I'm hopefully going to stand before him and go, I went crazy, Lord. I used my imagination the best I could. My big mouth remained big all of my days. And, and I passionately lived my, my very best to help other people be in heaven with me. Because I believe that the one question God's going to ask us all when we get to heaven is a very important question. It's going to, who, who did you bring with you? See, leading people to the Lord isn't just for evangelists. Every believer should be leading people to the Lord. Not because they have to. One, because they want to, because they love God and they love the person. If you love a person, how are you going to let them go to hell without knowing that there was an eternity they could have known? But to the businessman, I said, God's going God's to say to you, I gave you business ideas. I gave you acumen. I gave you the ability to earn wealth. What did you do with it? And you're either going to respond, I built bigger barns that I left behind. Or you're going to say, I used the gifts you gave me to produce resources that helped others. See, every one of us, no matter what the talents God's given us, we're going to give an account for. You know, often people say, well, I don't believe there's going to be degrees of judgment when it comes to rewards. Yes, there is. And the people that should be most concerned are preachers, because the Bible says in James 3, it says, don't wish that you would be a teacher knowing that a teacher of the word will receive a, a, a stricter judgment 
of reward in heaven. So if there isn't any degree of reward in heaven, why are preachers going to be having a stricter reward and judgment regarding what they shared of the word and the truth when they were preaching in the name of Jesus Christ? You've got to understand there's going to be an accountability. The Bible says that we're going to give an account for every idle word. Again, these things don't pertain to where you're spending, heaven or hell. It's the rewards and the treasures and the things you will experience in the life to come because you were conscious that you're a sojourner in this life and you have the opportunity to use this life to affect the one to come not just for you that would be selfish but for others also I want to end today by reading from Luke I know time's nearly gone but you've got to hear this verse guys this is from the book, book of Luke and it ties it all together Luke 19 verses 11 to 26 let's let Jesus preach this himself while they were listening to this he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once he said a man of noble birth that's meaning him a man of noble birth went to a distant country that's here to have himself appointed king and then return that's Jesus he's talking of himself he's saying the son of God came to this earth to be appointed king and then he left and then he would return the second coming of Jesus so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minors which was an amount of money um he appointed them a uh, 10 minus he said uh, so he called 10 of his servants and he gave them 10 minus put this money to work do something with he said until i come back but his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say we don't want this man to be king that's kind of a sound of earth at the moment they don't want jesus to be king the problem is he already is the matter is not as not is he king it's is he a returning king which we know he will be verse 15 stay focused he was made king however and returned home he was made king and he returned home then he sent for the servants to whom he'd given the money the miners in order to find out what they'd gained with it so you know he comes back and then he holds people to account it says the king that they didn't want to come back came back but then with the same parable he says he came to the people he'd entrusted things with and asked them what they did with it the first one came and said to him sir your miner has earned 10 more and he responded well done my good and faithful servant his master replied because you have been trustworthy in very small take charge now of 10 cities so he was entrusted with miners or finances but his reward was cities the second came and said sir your miner earned five more his master answered his master answered you take charge now of five cities then another servant came and said sir here is your miner i kept it laid it away in a piece of cloth I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. Excuses, excuses, excuses. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied to him, I will judge you by your own words. Isn't that amazing that if we come up with excuses, God says, all right, I'll judge you by the words that you're giving me an excuse. He says, you wicked servant. You, you knew that I was a hard man taking out what I didn't put in and reaping where I did not sow. Why then didn't you do what people on earth do and at least put it in the bank and put it on deposit so that when I came back, there would have been an element of interest to it. You didn't even do that. You just locked it away and put it under your mattress, you muppet. He says, then he says to those standing by, take his minor away from him. People hate this it. take his minor away from him and give it to the one that's got 10 that's not right that's not equal jesus is teaching this he said sir they said he's already got 10 he said i tell you that to everyone who has 
more will be given. To those who are active with what I've currently given them, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away from him. What's the subject matter here? Ever so quickly, the one who went away who was hated is Jesus, and he's the one who's coming back. But the Bible says when he returns, he's not just returning to collect, but he's returning to settle accounts with his people. This should awaken our hearts to the reality of the life we should be living now. The Bible says when he returns, he will reward those who were faithful and trustworthy with what he gave them, whether that's talent, time, skill, resource. His heart is to trust them with more. Now, this is the bit I want you to get as we close today. There was a divine exchange that took place. Did you see it? Between natural treasure and heavenly treasure. It says that he gave them miners or currency, but he rewarded them with cities. Boom. He's speaking not of the reward you'll get for what you do for him here, but the one that you will get there. We have the opportunity to use the natural things that he's blessed us with if we're trustworthy and we're faithful. No matter whether you're in business or in ministry, whether you're a parent, whether you're a husband, whether you're a wife, if you are faithful, you may say, well, I haven't got the lot. God's not asking whether you've got a lot. He's saying, no, you've been faithful with what I've given you because the principle of God is what a person does with little, they'll do with much. So the best thing that we can do in this life is be faithful, even with something that we don't think is a lot. Because if we're faithful and trustworthy with the little he gives us here, the Bible says, one day there, after he's come to collect us and he's settling the accounts, he will reward us with responsibility and the ability to be trustworthy, not with natural things like money, but with cities. What a man does in life echoes in eternity. Believer, make sure that the life that you are living in the here and now isn't a life that's led by greed or wrong motivation or a, fill of, a fear of hell that Jesus already delivered you from having to know, but just a pure motive and a pure heart and agenda that says, Lord, I am a sojourner. Forgive me for fully unpacking my clothes in this life. Help me to have a consciousness that I'm only passing through. I am an exile. I am, I am a, someone journeying through this life that one day will open his eyes in the life to come. Father, I thank you. Let my life be so lived here in how I love the, the poor, give to the needy. Use whatever you've blessed me with to bless others. Lord, let my life be so useful here with faithfulness and how I share you with others. But one day when I open my eyes in the life to come, it's filled with people that I knew here that are there because I shared my faith about you with them. Lord, I thank you. Let me just end with this. Let us all be inspired to be found, number one, living in the light of eternity. Let our heart be correctly set in the right place. Let our mindfulness be that we are sojourners in a land that not our own. Number two, let's live our hearts as people that are traveling through this life. Let's not fully unpack our suitcases if this is our final home. And number three, let's be faithful with whatever the Lord 
as entrusted with us. Nothing is small. Everything is big. What has the Lord entrusted to you with today? What has he given you? People, relationships, resources, talents, skills. What are you doing with them? Are you using them to build bigger barns here? Jesus clearly teaches that that's just stupidity because one day when you leave this earth, everything you gained here will stay except for what you transferred through the agenda and heart motive of living for him with the breath you spent here. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus, the most important thing that you can understand today is we've spoken of two thrones. There's the throne of a believer where a believer will be held in account or judged for the things he did or he didn't do. But before that throne, the Bible speaks of a big white throne that every person is given once to live and then death and then judgment. That every person on the face of this earth, if they're a good person, a bad person, a nice person, a bad person, none of those things determine where they spend eternity, will have to stand before the throne of God and answer this question. Did you receive Jesus or did you reject him? Did you believe and take hold of the salvation my son provided or did you reject it and not believe in it? I pray that every one of you are watching. If you're watching and you've never given your life to Jesus, do it right now. Do it right now. Don't play. The king is coming back. Come on, don't play around with this. I'm going to lead you in a very short prayer. When you say amen, the Bible says that you've believed in your heart and that moment is the moment that you become unseparated and become a part of his family. And I promise we'll help you to grow from that moment and from that prayer. Father, I thank you today that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins. Thank you that heaven is real, hell is real. What Jesus did for me on the cross is real. I believe that where I couldn't save myself, Lord, you saved me. Your perfect sacrifice made me perfectly saved. Jesus, forgive my sin. Come into my life. I want to live for you and your kingdom from this day forward. Amen. That's all you needed to say. Amen. The Bible says that you're now saved. Contact us if you prayed that prayer. Andy at family.church. Let us know you've done that. Next week, we're going to look at another subject in this series that's called Heavenly Hope. See you there.